Hey podcasters, welcome to Shaping Identity, a podcast for lived experiences with mental illness, addictions, and the road to recovery. In general, I would always say that listeners' discretion is advised when listening to Shaping Identity. This episode is no exception to that. I want to give a heads up that there will be comments on topics surrounding suicide as well as reckless behaviors, and I just want everyone to be aware before they dive in that there may be triggers moving forward. All right, are you ready for some vulnerability? Here it is. For those that were with me on my first episode, thanks for coming back. Today, I want to talk about the part of my life that I will call the decline. I wish that I could say the notorious decline was in 2016, when some of the worst sides of me were at the surface. However, it turned out I had a long way ahead of me to hit rock bottom. Where I left off, I told you a little snapshot of 2016 and the times around it, and how ultimately it led to the decision to move out west, away from my hometown in 2018. I felt like I had screwed everything up and I needed a fresh start. Well, if you remember that, you also may remember when I said that shame travels, behaviors and actions are not location-oriented. Tough lesson I had to learn. In preparation for my move, I had to take a leave of absence from the position I was working at. I was offered a job which made it easier to get up and leave. This job I was taking on was, ironically, at a substance abuse treatment facility. I didn't see the irony at first, obviously, but anyway. I found a room for rent and... A funny side note is that I moved to my location thinking it was near one of my closest friends, and it turned out it was about two and a half to three hours away, which I guess isn't super far depending on what your perception is, but I also didn't realize, I just, yeah, I didn't realize the distance, essentially. Silly me. Especially in an age where I could have Googled it beforehand, and I didn't. Oh well. Anyway, I had a room for rent and my schedule would be four days on and four days off working just outside of the community I was living in. It was at a remote wilderness treatment facility and I was going to be working with youth that were struggling with addictions. So I was really excited because I felt like it was what I was good at. Plus I had this newfound admiration for wilderness, hikes, and the way the outdoors can be so healing. I thought, this is the perfect fit. Plus, it would help me to learn a lot of great skills. What I failed to realize at the time, despite joking about it many times in my life, was that I'm an alcoholic, and I was very much addicted to smoking pot. These realizations didn't come to me right away, though, And through working at the facility, I had to read a lot of literature um, and run a number of sessions on addictions. And it was frightening how accurate some of the things were for me, how much it actually resonated with me and what I was going through. 
I tried to push it to the back of my mind and tell myself, I'm not that bad. You know, everybody likes to drink. Everybody, you know, goes hard once in a while. I can quit whenever I want. I just don't want to. So my decline started and it was a long and slow decline, but it was happening. And was happening in a way that I kept trying to ignore. And now in retrospect, I wish I could go back and kind of give myself a shake. I would tell myself, stop ignoring all these really obvious signs and feelings. But anyway, so now is when I'm going to share some of the reckless behaviors I was mindlessly doing at this time. I know that none of it is good. And yes, I feel a lot of shame for what I did and know that I could have seriously hurt someone or even myself. And before I get into the shame, I just want to explain the terms of passively suicidal. This term may be new to some, so I just want to take a minute to bring this commonly but not commonly talked about form of suicide ideation. I'm going to refer to it as PS from here on out so I don't keep triggering someone that may be listening. So essentially, PS can be when someone has a desire to die, but doesn't necessarily have a plan to do so. This person may act recklessly or in ways that could lead to death without the formal act of doing it. Many people go their lives with PS and not even realize that that line of thinking is against the quote-unquote norm. I can dive into my PS experience more at another time, but for now, as long as you know the basics about it, hopefully you can try to understand why I didn't seem to realize or care how wrong my actions were. Okay, so into my shame. As I stated earlier, I was working four days on and four days off, which, as you can imagine, for someone who was addicted without acknowledging it, was really hard. Harder than I had ever thought. I didn't realize how much I relied on that drink or that toke every night after work. The first four-day stretch, I made it through. It was barely. I was anxious the whole time. I was thinking about that first drink or toke I would take. And honestly, the thoughts really just consumed me. And especially since I was talking to these youth about addictions, it was like I couldn't get away from the glaringly obvious fact. At night, I would go from feverishly hot to shaking cold. And now I realize what those feelings kind of were. As soon as I left the site after my four days on, I would light up a bowl right there where we parked. I would do that even though I had a ways to drive home afterwards. I would smoke before and during my ride, and I didn't even think twice about it. I figured what what will be will be. If I die, it would just be fate or, you know, a very morbid bonus. And honestly, I think I felt a little invincible because if I'm being honest, I've smoked pot and drove on countless occasions and nothing bad had ever happened. And if something were to happen to me, I was more than welcoming. Even my drinking was increasing. I would usually get back to my house early in the morning and I would 
be sure to have a six pack of beer waiting for me to crush as soon as I walk through the door. Or I'd have some form of liquor hidden in my room if my roommate was home and would see me pounding back beers or the liquor early in the morning. It was getting so bad that I even considered a couple of times bringing weed or beer to my room on site at the facility I was working, the substance abuse treatment facility. Thankfully, I never actually did this, but I had really wanted to many a times and would even lay in my bed at night regretting that I didn't because I was just so consumed with this want and need to be smoking and drinking. I would toss and turn, and I felt that without the drugs or alcohol, the voices in my head were louder and unrelenting. I really thought if I could just get a fix, I'd be better. The voices would subside, and I could forget all the thoughts flooding in my head. I was quickly becoming worse in my addictive behaviors. Because I couldn't get high or drunk at work, I would take more than the prescribed dose of gravel. Again, obviously not a shining moment for me, but taking a larger dose and fighting the urge to sleep, I could achieve a similar feeling uh, to being high or maybe even a little bit tipsy. Eventually, I was becoming so anxious about going to work and not being able to have pot or alcohol that I would call in sick. I would get to a shift and become overwhelmed with anxiety that I didn't have my quote-unquote coping mechanisms within reach, and so I'd try and leave early. And I justified it because I really was feeling very anxious, and I just left out part that this anxiety was stemming from deep, unseated addictions. My coping mechanisms were my only way out of my head, away from the anxiety, or so I thought. Because that's what I always told myself. Drinking and smoking pot were, for me, a way to cope. And with moving across the country, I felt super alone. I felt like I had no one and would often dread that I made a mistake. And I would text friends and family back home exclaiming how devastated I was and how I would surely be home within a couple of months. Along with the loneliness, I was also trying to kill the shame and guilt I was feeling for past actions I made. I thought if I could numb myself, numb the thoughts, my mind, um, it would all shut up and, and, you know, stop being so unrelenting. And so I kept doing it. Early, I can drink away the past, right? Eventually, after a transfer out of the remote facility I was working at, I started a job where I could work and I'd be home every night. They were really good to me about the transition and found me another role that was a good fit. I thought, hey, this will fix me right up again. I'll get my fixes at night and I can get back to what I was defining as normal. And for the first bit, I was making it work. I would be able to make it through my shifts I mean, anxiously, I will add, but I was able to do it. And as soon as I got out the door, I was back at it. I worked there for a while and would often go into work the next day, still reeking of alcohol or pot. And now that I'm in recovery, my sense of smell has improved. And I kind of laugh that I thought people couldn't 
smell it on me or didn't notice it. During this time, I had met a man and we had started dating. He was incredibly kind to me and we had one really big common interest, which was hockey. I'd love to tell you more about him one day, but he's just kind of a side note right now in relation to what I'm currently talking about. Although I will definitely say he had a very significant impact on why and how I was able to make positive changes. So anyway, because I was in this relationship, I was really trying to be a functioning alcoholic and addict without anyone knowing I was an alcoholic or an addict. I didn't want to scare this amazing man out of my life. And I also didn't know, I didn't know how to tell him all of my darkest secrets. I remember when I was moving in with him, he was in a community about 45 minutes away from where I was currently living. And so we were moving my stuff and he had a load of my stuff in his truck and I had a load in my vehicle. On the way to his place, I was speeding. I just didn't really realize I have a lead foot. No big deal, right? So I got pulled over, but I also had an open beer on me. And my heart was pounding through my chest as I scrambled to find a place to hide it. And I did find a spot and then quickly grabbed a handful of mints that I always kept close by and furiously crunched down so I would have a minty breath instead of the beer breath I would have surely had. And I mean, I got the ticket for for speeding, but that was it. And I must have had a horseshoe, you know where, but I, I would have screwed up my life in so many ways if I had, if it had gone the other way. And I think back to that moment so many times of, Wow, like I was so reckless. And, you know, I again wish that was the worst thing I had done. But again, uh, I'll tell you about that another time. Um, And I just want to add that I never would ever suggest these reckless actions to anyone. Um, And I was very lucky that I didn't hurt anyone else or, you know, um, have repercussions to me in terms of a ticket or getting hurt, but um, it doesn't mean that it always works that way for everyone. So all this to say, I was just spiraling out of control. And so interestingly, I thought now's the time to get medications for mental health. Surely that will help me and everything will be better again. But obviously drinking well on the medications that explicitly say not to drink brought on their own set of issues and dramatics, which I think maybe I'll explain in the next episode. This was an episode full of shame and vulnerability for me, and I'm honestly scared of repercussions I could face from sharing all this, or even the disappointment I know my family will feel in learning this side of me. I'm sorry, everyone. I wish I could take it back and... I wish I could just give the past me a little shake. I hope you will join me next time for some vulnerability. This is all I've got to give today. In response to the energy expelled today for my self-care piece, I'm going to offer myself some compassion and write and read some affirmations. 
If you would like some resources from this episode, please refer to my website, shapingidentity.ca. And if you'd like to see more from me on socials, follow me on Instagram at shaping underscore identity or on Facebook, Shaping Identity. Until next time, we're signing off with Vulnerability Hangover. Shaping Identity is available wherever you get your podcasts. I want to recognize Titan Media Collective for all of their help in getting set up, started, and their support throughout this journey. With that shout out in mind, here is another production by Titan Media Collective. Take a listen. Hi, best friend. Hi. Oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, just having to do this promo that you're making me do, but it's okay. Yeah, same. I have to do it too. (laughs) Hi, best friend. Hi, best friend. I'm Kelly. I'm Kelsey. And our podcast is Good Luck Everyone Else. Someone told us seven years ago that we were funny enough to start a podcast, so here we are, finally getting around to it. We don't know what we'll say or what we'll get into, but we can say we release every Friday. So hang out with us then. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Good luck. Good luck.